But let's turn into Matthew 22. <clears throat> we're going to be there this morning. Um, we're not going to stay long in Matthew 22. We'll be in Matthew 23. The incredibly uplifting seven woes portion of Jesus being in Jerusalem. It's wonderful, okay? Um, it's funny because we're going to kind of skip over this greatest commandment that we could talk about for weeks and weeks, and we probably should, but, you know, the seven woes are just so exciting and so encouraging to us all. And so I thought, you know what, let's just get there as fast as we can because it'll be a blast, all right? So I'll read through this end of Matthew 22, and then we'll jump right into Jesus talking to the Pharisees and have a wonderful time. But when the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees, they gathered together and one of them, a lawyer, asked him a question to test him. Now, how did Jesus silence the Sadducees again? Do we remember? What was the, what was the issue at hand? What were they trying to trick him on? While you're chewing, you're, you're wanting to say it. On money, what else? That's exactly right. On where to give their money, right? What are you supposed to do with this money, right? What else were they trying to trick him on? The resurrection, right? Because the Sadducees believe there's a resurrection or do not? Do not. They're sad, you see. So they don't believe in the resurrection. <clears throat> they don't believe in it, and they're trying to trick Jesus and figure out what Jesus is going to say about that, okay? And try to get, and, and the question they ask him is a preposterous question because they want the resurrection to seem silly. They want it to seem foolish. They want Jesus to, to say, yes, I believe, in something ridiculous, okay? So they try to trick him in that. Jesus, of course, answers beautifully. Um, it's a wonderful conversation that he has about the resurrection, and the afterlife, because they're saying, oh, so there's an afterlife? And Jesus says, what does he say? Life eternal starts now. That's what I'll tell you. Life to the full, this life in the kingdom begins now, the end. That's Jesus' answer to them, which I love, okay? So then we go down farther, and the Pharisees say, oh, he tricked the Sadducees. This is our time now to trick Jesus, first of all. That's like a point. But then also, they want to one-up the Sadducees as well, because they're competing sects in the Jewish faith, in the Jewish politic, in, in Jewish culture and life. These two culture groups always butt heads with each other and always have issues with one another. And so they say, oh, he embarrassed the Sadducees. Now's our time. Let's embarrass Jesus and the Sadducees in one fatal swoop. We'll look great. It's going to be a great day. Let's do it. So they come to him and they say, the Pharisees heard this. They have a question to test him. Teacher, which is the great commandment in the law? I don't know that I would have asked that question to trick Jesus, but that's what they do. <clears throat> and he said to them, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. And the second is like it. Did they ask for a second, by the way? No. This is, this is kind of, um, instead of, Staying here, I want us to use the second commandment as a jumping off point for the rest of what Jesus is going to indict the Pharisees on. They ask him, what's the greatest commandment? He answers that question. I doubt they would have a problem with that answer. They, they would probably teach something similar. In the Old Testament, there's plenty about that. There's plenty that says, love God, follow God, don't have gods before him. Right? We, have, we have all these statements from prophets, from the law, from the kings, from kings that were terrible. We have all of this stuff. So him saying that isn't revolutionary. The second part is what gives them pause and what he's going to jump off on later with these woes. And he says, the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor 
as yourself. Another way to say that is love your neighbor with your own self-love. The same self-love you give yourself, give to everyone, right? He's had lots of talks on who your neighbor is. Give your same love to everyone. And then he says, on these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets which the Pharisees would have been experts on. Now when the Pharisees were gathered together, Jesus asked them a question, saying, what do you say, what do you think about the Christ? Whose son is he? And they said, the son of David. And he said to them, how is that then that David in the spirit calls him Lord, saying, the Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I put my enemies under your feet. If David then calls him Lord, how is he his son? And no one was able to answer him a word, nor from that day did anyone dare ask him any more questions. Now this, this passage is, is more of a show to the Pharisees that don't, don't do this game. This game isn't fun for any of us. We could semantic out if David is the father or the son of the Messiah, he calls him Lord and doesn't other times. He says, there's no answer to some of these questions. There's no need for us to get into this. And then he says this to them. Then Jesus said to the crowds and to the disciples, the scribes and the Pharisees sit on Moses' seat. So do and observe whatever they tell you, but do not do the works they do. For they preach, but do not practice. They tie up heavy burdens hard to bear and lay them on people's shoulders, but they themselves are not willing to move them with their finger. Now, this is is a lot. It's harsh, right? And when I read this, I think a a lot of my life, I, I read, I've read this passage a lot. I think it's super interesting. And I read it and I say, yeah, they did that. They did that. They wore big hats. They wore verses upon their hearts that would hit and make metallic sounds and show everyone they're coming. They had long tassels. We're going to talk about that later, which is interesting. They made noise coming down the street. They would tell people to tithe mint, dill, and cumin even. They would take money from the poor. They would pay them a tax to exchange it at the temple. How dare they put heavy burdens on the people? And then, though, We look around at us. And I'll tell you, um, I've I've been in um, some sort of church life since college, like in earnest. Before college, I had to go. I didn't enjoy it and didn't want to go. Um, Whenever we have fights with our sons about it, I'm reminded of that. And I'm like, man, I need to go easier because I did the same. I I hated going. I hated going. and I remember, though, even working for organizations um, that would send me places that I remember being encouraged to give heavy burdens. And, you know, it, it's funny. We moved from, like, pendulum swing to pendulum swing. I remember when we moved to Austin, and when I moved to, to Guam, actually, and met Rob, I, I was in the midst of this pendulum swing. Where I was like, you know what? Why am I telling someone, you know, how to, what not to do, right? We picture this verse being about what not to do. It's like we tell everyone, oh, only drink this amount. Oh, say this word, but not in this company, or maybe you can. Or, oh, don't do this, do this, date this way, don't date this way. You can have this much sex or not this much, but that's crossing the line, so I don't know the rules of it, so I'll say I don't know. You know, we have all these things that we do to each other. 
and that, that we do in faith, that we've met in church. A lot of us have met that in church, and that's either why you've, you've been a part of the same church all your life, or you've moved around in them, and you've swung that way, right? And we, we use, we, we think of this idea of a heavy burden as of what not to do. But I'll tell you, an honest, this is the honest truth. We do the same thing in the opposite direction. I was also a part of a church that didn't want to be that. They didn't want to be the, don't do this, don't act this way, don't say this. They didn't want to be that at all, which I thought was beautiful. I thought it was great. I was like, oh man, I may like this. I may want to work at a church again. And then, then what I found over time is we didn't burden people with that. We burdened them with, hey, serve more. Your restore group needs to, needs to uh, it has to multiply or it's not a good restore group. Are you, are you serving with your group? Are you doing that every week? Is that a part of what you're doing? Hey, are you praying through adoption because everyone should? That's our role. We have to, justice, mercy, sacrifice became not just a way to be, but things we had to accomplish or we didn't fit in there either. And so what it became was just another burden. Because we somehow, we want there to be a point system. Or like we talked about a few weeks ago, we want there to be winners. We want to know we've achieved. We, we need to know we're doing it right, right? And so we have all these things that we place on people, and then people start to stress, and they say, well, I, don't, I, I, don't, I still don't know how to study Scripture, and now I'm being told I don't know how, and so I don't know how that makes me feel. Or you, or you have people that are, that are told, well, I'm, not, I'm just not serving enough. I don't have time. I have four kids. I don't know what I'm supposed to do. And then it becomes this stressful thing where now we've created a burden, and I'll be honest, just telling someone to do something or telling them how is not lifting a finger to relieve the burden from them. It's not doing it. That doesn't work. It's the same that Jesus told the Pharisees. like, look, you're saying a lot of things. Congratulations. You're not doing any of them. Telling someone how they should live is not helping them live that way all the time. There is a distinction between discipling each other and helping steer each other's ship, and actually holding the wheel with them. Or doing the hard part of lowering the sail for them when it's nasty weather. Or just giving them a break, man. <laughs> There's a big difference. And we would do good to look at the culture we are creating here. To know that we are not the people that no matter what burden it is, aren't the kind of people that honestly enjoy putting burdens on other people. The sad part of it too is the Pharisees enjoyed putting the burdens on people because it gave them a sense of power and importance and it gave them a, a, like a separation. We do the same. We like being able to tell someone how much we serve and they should also find that joy of serving like we do because it gives us separation that we are the ones that do it best. We have the power now to tell them how. We can now assert that onto a person rather than getting deep into life and carrying one another's burdens. You know, it's interesting too, this passage is a juxtaposition of what Jesus says he does, right? We have this other passage, I think, in Matthew 7, so it would have been years ago when we talked about that because we're going through Matthew so slowly. But it's this passage where Jesus tells people, he said, here's the deal. I'm not like this. The kingdom of heaven 
even actually calls it the kingdom of heaven and then says himself, the kingdom of heaven is not like the religion you're a part of. He said, I want you to take my yoke because my burden is easy and light. Take my way. It's not a yoke of an ox that puts it around your neck. It's take my way. Do this together with me. There's a big difference between doing something for Jesus and doing something with Jesus. It's a big difference when I tell my sons to do something for me and then leave for the day and they better have it done when I get back or if I do something with them, right? Raking the leaves with my sons, I was going to say fun. It's not fun. That's incorrect. I was going to say is fun. It's not it's not for me, because I'm like, rake differently, Ugh, put it in the bag with both hands, Ugh, what's going on? Like, yeah, you have that. It's like, Ugh, it gives me my blood pressure rising. <clears throat> but it's different for them. They're doing something with their dad. Not because if they don't do it, they'll have a consequence when I get home. So there's a distinction there. And we would do well to notice how we talk with one another, the culture we set with one another what we demand and ask from one another to make sure we aren't the people that would put heavy burdens on each other and not lift a finger to help them carry them. We would teach them how to carry them. It's a big difference. And Jesus goes on, they do all their deeds to be seen by others. That's never us. (laughs) Absolutely. For they make their phylacteries broad, their fringes long, And they love the place of honor at feasts and the best seats in the synagogues and greetings in the marketplace. And they love being called rabbi by others. But you are not to be called rabbi. For you have one teacher and you are all brothers. And call no man your father on earth for you have one father who is in heaven. Neither be called instructors even for you have one instructor, the Christ, the greatest among you shall be your servant. Whoever exalts himself will be humbled, and whoever humbles himself will be exalted. And again, that is not a clear juxtaposition. That is a show of humility and exaltation don't count the same. They don't come by the same means as they do in the world. In the kingdom, it doesn't work that way. Remember, Drew talked about that at length weeks ago, and then we followed up on that. And then we have this, but woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, you hypocrites, for you shut the kingdom of heaven in people's faces For you neither enter yourselves nor allow those who would enter to go in. You make it too hard. You set tough rules. You make them fit in with you to be a part with you. You're not inclusive with all. They need to vote like you. They need to act like you. Be in the similar economic status as us for the love or then it's hard. And they need to have the same desires that you do. He says, woe to you, you hypocrites, for you travel across sea and land to make a single proselyte. Y'all know what a proselyte is? Proselyte is someone who is not Jewish and they become Jewish. It's, I mean, you, have, you can, it's where we get the term proselytize as well, but that's what a proselyte is. You, you would still have that. If I chose to become Jewish and take upon the Jewish culture and faith, I would be a proselyte. That's what I would be known as and called probably in a synagogue, right? So that's, that's what that is. And when he becomes a proselyte, you make him twice as much a son of hell as yourself. Yikes. Here's, here's, I think, where that hits us. 
Um, first of all, I've been overseas and saw that when someone makes a proselyte of whatever religion they are, they end up making them also that religion, right? So Baptists, when they go to Guam, they create Baptist churches, right? It's like what they're paid to do. It's what they're supposed to Catholic missionaries go and create Catholic places, right? That's, that's what the intention is to do. So you're, you're making someone, you're, you're turning and hopefully bringing them to faith, but you're also then bringing them into a faith that has the rules and distinctions that you follow, right? And this is what the Jewish folks would do in this day as well, right? In doing so, how often... How often does it seem that when that happens, when proselytes are made, they no longer, they are not made to be students of Jesus and of the kingdom, they are made to be students of the faith that they were brought into, right? We do the same. We do the same. We, we may not think our small congregation has rules and norms and ways to do things and ways to think, but the to truly feel like you fit in, you probably have to recognize them. And it would do us well to be careful and know, are, are we, as we have our store group together, as we do dudes and brews, right? As y'all have book club, y'all have a book club because the women do book club, not because I don't read, but y'all do book club. The readers, the readers of our people do book club. <laughs> anyway, yeah, no more jokes about that, but as we do that, are we, is the hope of that, even as we disciple each other, even as we say we are missionaries, we're family, we're learners, right? We say that in our small groups. Anything we do, we try to say, hey, are we learning together? Are we discipling each other? Are we familying together, right? Are we, are we becoming more of that? We say that to each other, and that's the intention of all these things. Well, we're going to go to lunch in a little bit, right? Second Sunday lunch. We're rocking and rolling to Central Market, I believe. Central Market. So we're all going there. It's going to be awesome. We're doing that to family together, right? Some discipleship may break out. We might learn about each other, all those things. But we're doing it to family. That's the intention. As we do those things, are we really pressing for each other to want to be a part of the kingdom? Or are we pressing for them to want to be like we are being. Do we want, in a small group, as we're studying the Bible together, perhaps, what is the intention of that? What, why are really we doing that? Is it to, to kingdom together? To have a, a more intentional enjoyment of Jesus' self that way? to be able to find the Holy Spirit in our daily? Or are we making each other twice the son of hell that we already are? Really. And when we talk to our kids about our faith, what are we doing? When we get asked about our faith, what are we doing? How are we responding? What is in us? And here's, here's the thing about the Pharisees. Yes, they, they knew in their brain the greatest commandment is to love God with all their heart, soul, and mind, right? They were really good at loving God with their mind. We can talk all the trash we want to about that. We would, we would not, for a moment, 
be a part of a discussion with a Pharisee. We would be so embarrassed. Just the sheer knowledge and enjoyment of knowledge they would have over the Old Testament is beautiful. That's why Jesus said, actually listen to them. You can listen to them. That's going to sound right. They're, they're going to be correct about those things. The part that got messed up and that still gets ruined and still goes awry is the loving others with the same self-love we have for ourselves. And when we don't do that, we don't lift a finger to help someone carry a burden. We tell them how to carry it better. When we, when we really don't have this like debt that remains outstanding, the debt of loving one another well that Paul talks about later, trying to re-quote Jesus later, then that means, yes, we do want someone to, be, to enjoy faith in our own image instead of the image of the kingdom of heaven that's at hand. We, we want to be the one that knows the most, who does the most, who, who is justice in the right way who is sacrificed more than everyone else. That's what we want because we, like the Pharisees, don't understand loving each other with all of ourself. We love till convenience. Or we, or we love till it's hard. Or we love till we might have to put them over us. Or they might get congratulated before we do. <laughs> or they might get the raise first. That's, that's how we share the life of the Pharisee. And that's why Jesus saying, woe to you blind guides should mean something to us. We, we don't know where our blindness is or we would hopefully address it. <laughs> so as we read this again, I, I'm just going to do this. I'm going to read that again. And then we're going to enter a time of communion. I'm going to read this again and then we're going to pray and we're going to enjoy communion together like we do every week. But I just want us to listen. And I just want us to, to maybe not be as blind a guide. And this is what it says. The scribes and Pharisees sit on Moses' seat. They so do and observe whatever they tell you, but not the works they do. For they preach, but they do not practice. They tie up heavy burdens, hard to bear. They lay them on people's shoulders but they themselves are not willing to move them with their finger. They do all their deeds to be seen by others, for they make their phylacteries broad and their fringes long, and they love the place of honor at feast. They love the best seats at the synagogues and the greetings in the marketplace, and they love being called rabbi, leader, expert, teacher. They love those things. But you are not to be called rabbi, for you have one teacher, and you are all brothers. Call no man your father, on earth, for you have one father who is in heaven. Neither even be called instructors, for you have one instructor, the Christ, the greatest among you, shall be your servant. Whoever exalts himself will be humbled, and whoever humbles himself will be exalted. But woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, you hypocrites, for you shut the kingdom of heaven in people's faces, for you neither enter yourselves, nor allow those who would enter to go in. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, you hypocrites, for you travel across sea and land to make a single proselyte, but when he becomes a proselyte, you make him twice a son of hell as yourself. God, may it not be with us. May we be people who really want good for each other as we want good for ourselves.
May we be people who are more interested in carrying each other's burdens than explaining how they need more burden upon them. Can we just be people who, yes, maybe travel across land and sea to, to make followers and to help enjoy followers of Jesus, but can we also be people who enjoy followers of Jesus next door? Can we never be called a person who slams the door of the kingdom in someone's face, either because we tell them what is required or we tell them how they can't do it or we tell them how they have to change in ways that are not right, but rather are just trying to get them to look like us. God, I pray that as we eat this bread and drink this cup in a moment together, that together we would look at the culture of our own church, that we would look in the mirror very hard and make sure that, yes, we are loving you with all of our heart and that, yes, with all of us, we are, we are attempting to be people who love each other just as we love ourselves. In Jesus' name, amen.